Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast, where you will get tips to expand your legal nurse consulting skills. Every week, you'll hear from experts from within and outside of legal nurse consulting. They will share their knowledge to help you grow. Your show is moderated by Pat Iyer, a legal nurse consultant with 30 years experience. So join our community, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Here's Pat. Hello, my name is Pat Iyer. I am the host of Legal Nurse Podcast, the only legal nurse podcast show on the planet and one that has been in existence now for seven years. We are delighted you are joining us from wherever you are in the world. We have listeners in 95 countries. And our guest today is Sinton Square in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She is a nurse who's earned a master's in clinical trials research, which is a different kind of a master's. And she's a legal nurse consultant. Angel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Pat. It's an honor. When you and I were talking about the topic for this show, we thought we would focus on exhibiting at attorney conferences. Prior to the pandemic, it was very common for every trial lawyers association for the plaintiff, for defense chapters, for national shows to occur, and everything got put on hold for a while. And now some of the trial lawyers groups are coming back to in-person exhibiting. So I wanted to talk with you about your experience with exhibiting and have you give give our listener some tips about what it's like to be part of that experience. I'd be glad to. My first question would be, have you exhibited in-person only? Have you exhibited virtually as well? What's your experience been? I have only done exhibiting in person, and I did four exhibits, uh, four conferences in the past year. All right. For somebody listening who has never exhibited, and for me who has exhibited lots of times, there's a certain level of emotion associated with exhibiting. What's that emotion been like for you? Well, the obvious emotion that comes up for everyone is fear and anxiety, especially for your first conference. And the best way to get through that, at least for myself, is to weigh the pros and cons, just like anything else in life that is new that you want to conquer and get through the fear and say to yourself, is this going to be beneficial for my business? My answer to that is absolutely yes. So I just work through the fear And by usually if it's a two or three day conference by the second or third day, it's a lot easier. And I'm pretty introverted myself. So I have to force myself through the first few interactions with the attorneys and then I relax and I'm fine. But attorneys are a lot easier to talk to, I found, than most doctors. So most nurses should be fine talking to attorneys. You don't have to become their best buddy, but when they approach your booth, Just engage them in conversation beyond the business talk itself. Compliment them on something they're wearing. Ask them how the conference is going. And like I said, most of them are pretty down to earth. I want to delve into the fear a little bit, Angel, because I am also introverted. And I found 
exhibiting to be a challenge. Yes. But there are extroverted people listening to this program thinking, what's the big deal? You get to talk to people. You get to meet new people. You get to feed on the energy of the experience. Can you explain to them why it can be an anxiety-provoking experience? If you're talking right now to an extrovert. I honestly don't think it matters your personality type. It's more about preparation. And if you invest the time and money into your booth to make it a great looking booth, then that's going to project professionalism. And then that professionalism will instill the confidence in you, whether you're introverted or extroverted. Now, if you're extroverted and you tend to talk a lot, you want to tame it down just a little bit, not keep an attorney at your booth for too long. What's the drawback about keeping them too long? You might discourage them from wanting to use you. You might come across as a know-it-all. And they usually don't have that much time. In most conferences, they have a 15-minute break or a lunch that they're trying to get to. So they might just be stopping at your booth briefly. And you may have seen, like I do, what happens if you monopolize the attention of an attorney or vice versa. There are other people walking behind that attorney, glancing over and saying, oh, well, Angel's busy. I'll come back later. And then later sometimes never happens. That's very true. That's very true. For a person who's contemplating exhibiting, you've mentioned a booth. Can you give us a sense of what kinds of expenses might be involved in exhibiting? Yes. So the most expensive part of exhibiting is reserving the booth itself. And that can run anywhere from $1,000 to $5,000, depending on the location. That's 2022 prices. Um, After that, you need to know that most conference organizers will provide you a table and two chairs. And sometimes that table will have a tablecloth. Sometimes it won't. So you need to come prepared with a tablecloth that matches your business colors. What I do is I bring a black tablecloth. And then I have a vinyl table runner that runs vertically across the center of the table. And then my logo is on the front of that. So you can see my logo on the front of the table. And then of course you need banners. So you need a, most exhibitors like myself will use a vertical pull-up banner with a stand. Uh, Some conferences will allow you to use a backdrop banner. Some will not. And then of course you have the expenses of giveaways business cards, pens, brochures, keychains, water bottles, whatever you want to do with that. Uh And most importantly is your door prize because that will get your prospective clients to your booth. So you need a fishbowl and a door prize on your table. And what I like to do is uh, attorneys like liquor. Most attorneys like liquor. So I buy a premium bottle of liquor in a fancy bottle, have that there. And I usually include a second prize as well, like a medical textbook or an anatomical model. And that will usually get a lot of people to come to your booth, put their business cards in the fishbowl. And then what happens when it's time to draw a winner? What's your process? You need to sort through the cards because you will get people that will be other exhibitors, non-attorneys they are at the conference, law students, et cetera, that will put the card in the bowl just because they want to win your liquor. So you, you need to sort through that. 
Uh, to be honest with you, what I do is I don't do a random draw. I will purposely pick a card of an attorney that spoke with me and sounded very interested in using me. Um, that is an excellent strategy. It's one mm -hmm. that I adopted the first time I exhibited in Manhattan and picked up an attorney who had offices in six cities. He was one of the lead partners. And it worked out very well. He put my older son through University of Pennsylvania with oh, all wow. the work that I did for his law firm during that time. And it was a blessing because my husband was unemployed and then struggling to get his business going. And we didn't have the money to pay an Ivy League education. But my client, who was the quote unquote random draw, yes. was the one who provided me with the experience and the funds. Let's get back to the exhibiting area. You've got certain unwritten rules that govern how you behave at your booth. Uh, sometimes you find out about them when you break them. Sometimes you find out about them from other exhibitors. What are some of the unwritten rules in booth protocol that you have noticed? Uh, I've noticed when the attorneys are in session, most exhibitors will take a short break and sit down. However, when they come out in mass, you want to make sure you stand up, smile, speak to everyone, greet everyone that passes your booth, whether they come to you or not. Um, the other thing that I highly recommend is to have someone exhibit with you so that your booth is never unmanned. You need to have time for a restroom break, a snack break, a meal break. Having said that, if you need to have snacks, water at your booth, I recommend hiding them under your tablecloth and then stepping away, again, while you need someone to help you exhibit, stepping away to have a drink of water, get a snack. Um, the hotels will usually provide meals and snacks to everyone free, including exhibitors. But again, don't eat at your booth. Obviously, don't be on your cell phone at your booth. I've seen a lot of exhibitors do that, and then they lose opportunities because an attorney is not going to approach you if you're playing on your cell phone at your booth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, also, I've noticed that when there's a law during the day, other exhibitors may come to your booth and introduce themselves. So you want to be professional, interact with them. You never know who you may need in the future. If it's another LNC especially, you want to make that connection you may need a subcontractor one day. And who would you recommend to be in the booth with you? A spouse, a close friend, another nurse. My husband goes with me. Someone that knows your business very well, so that if you do have to take a restroom break, they can answer questions for you. You remind me, I'm smiling because you remind me of a time I took my husband with me exhibiting to Atlantic City. And we were giving away computer bags that were printed with the name of my company and the logo and the website and the phone number. And my husband decided it would be a fun game for himself to figure out how many of these he could give away. So he was passing them out and then smiling because he could see attorneys walking around the booth area carrying our computer bag with them. Another one, Pat. See, I got that one. See, <laughs> I gave him that one. He had a grand time. <laughs> and husbands are your biggest cheerleaders, though. Yes. 
Now, I've often been asked, Angel, and I don't know if this has come up for you. I've been asked, can you have two legal nurse consultants share a booth standing side by side, but representing different companies? You can. I personally would not recommend it um, unless they're, yeah, if they're separate companies, I wouldn't recommend it because you may have a conversation with an attorney and then even if you're friends, you're still competitors and you don't want to be discussing prices, et cetera, in front of the other LNC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I have thought about, well, what happens from the attorney's perspective who comes up to the table and sees two nurses there and assumes that they are in together the in the same company, they yeah. end up competing yes. with the attorney's attention if they're from two different companies. Right. I agree. Yeah. What about what to wear? I have stories I could go on and on about people I've seen who've, wear, who've worn clothing that made me immediately notice them. Have you had an experience where you have seen an exhibitor wear something out of the ordinary and then we could define what that is? Yes, I have seen people show up in jeans, those distressed jeans with holes. Yeah. I've seen women show up in tank tops with their tattoos showing. I've seen, I've seen it all. <laughs> and then, of course, you have, I haven't seen it, but I have heard stories about women wearing low-cut dresses, short skirts, etc. cetera. Um, those women were in a booth next to me at one time. And I think I may have told you this when we were preparing for this. They they had a lot of cleavage. They had short skirts. To describe them as wearing clothes is a little bit generous because there was so much skin that was showing. And there were two attorneys coming from opposite directions who literally banged <laughs> head to head, forehead to forehead, because they were both looking at the women with their tongues hanging out. <laughs> The chef of the this facility had to come out and help his workers replenish the ice directly in front of this booth containing these two women. It was like watching raging testosterone. <laughs> but I didn't notice that many people were placing orders or doing serious business. The bait right. didn't necessarily work. Right, right. Um, I've also seen legal nurse consultants wear lab coats with stethoscopes and scrubs. What do you think about wearing healthcare? Before we continue with the show, I'd like to share this special announcement with you. Hello, I'm Barbara Levin, and I'm here today with Pat Iyer. Many of you know us as we are nationally recognized legal nurse consultants. We are here to talk about a case scenario of a legal nurse who learned from her client that she was not selected to work on a particular case based on her resume. She learned that the expert that was chosen for the case had many publications and the publications were very poignant to the case at hand, having to do with delay in diagnosis of compartment syndrome. That particular expert has been published on compartment syndrome, neurovascular assessments, and other topics. 
the legal nurse consultant was very disappointed that she did not get that job as the expert because she hasn't been published. Pat, could you share with our audience tips and possibly ideas for how this legal nurse consultant should move on to gain clients? Well, taking the case scenario that you just described, Barbara, let's assume this legal nurse consultant has an orthopedic background and routinely takes care of patients with surgeries that could result in compartment syndrome. The first step would be to point to the professional publications most likely to be interested in an article written on the topic, and then to contact the editor of the journal or look for the guidelines, the publishing guidelines that might be available online and most likely now are online that will say, what is the length? Uh, what topics are we interested in? The next step is to write a query letter or an email saying, I'm interested in writing an article for orthopedic nurses on the clinical implications of compartment syndrome and weave in some legal cases that are pertinent to this potential diagnosis or delay in diagnosis. After making sure that the journal is interested in accepting an article on that topic, then you would begin following the guidelines carefully because articles are rejected if they are too short, they are too long. Typically, you will get feedback in the form of reviews from people who don't know who you are. They are called blind reviewers because they are blinded to your identity. And then it's, it's up to you as the author to incorporate those ideas. Once you have your article revised according to the reviewer comments, then you sit back and the magic begins on the journal side. And pretty soon you get notification that your article is published. You've got a link, you've got a date, you've got the title of the journal and your title of your article that you can put on your resume that will establish your credibility, authority, and visibility as a person who is an expert in that topic. And you can do this for any clinical specialty based on information and topics that you know well, that you could see would be useful, not only to clinical nurses, but also to the attorneys who you would like to have hire you. These are great points for our audience to carry forward and to consider. We want to invite all of you to our conference, our seventh virtual Legal Nurse Success Conference, which will be held March 23, 24, 25, 2023. This topic will be incorporated into a special presentation during the conference. And Pat is going to explain a little bit further other topics for our conference. We have a panel discussion at this conference and one of the people, Valerie Lane, wrote a chapter on how to organize medical records using Adobe Acrobat. She wrote a chapter for a compilation book that we published at the end of December 2022 called Medical Record Analysis, a Guide for Attorneys, written by expert LNCs. This book achieved the number one Amazon bestseller status in four categories. One of the 
key benefits of publications, as Barbara and I have been talking about, is that visibility, getting in front of the audience of attorneys who are looking for you. And having a publication is one of the key ways that attorneys can find you. Our conferences are three days of education, networking, support, and motivation. You come away from them feeling inspired, a little bit less alone. We've got legal nurse consultants scattered all over the country, all over the world. And sometimes you don't have a legal nurse consultant down the block or around the corner who you can talk with. This conference is set up to give you the opportunity to focus on education in a way that makes the investment very reasonable. Think about no airfare, no food, no parking, no hotel bills, you and your colleagues learning in all of your comfortable environments at home. Our conference is March 23, 24, and 25, 2023. And the link for it is lnc.tips forward slash March 2023 virtual. Go to that link. You'll get all the information. Sign up. Join us. Get ready for fun, for learning, for inspiration, and a nice shot of adrenaline without any needles, of course, that you get from being around people who understand you and how you think. We look forward to seeing you. Now let's return to the show. Uh, I, disagree with, I disagree with that. Uh, I feel like you should dress to the level of the attorneys that are attending. So I typically wear a business suit, minimal jewelry. I would advise against wearing high heels for women. I did that the first couple of conferences and learned my lesson. Mm -hmm. you're on your feet all day. So I wear dress flats now. Uh -huh. um, and you also have to consider where the conference is located, what state it is in, because attorneys in New York, my guess is I could be wrong, but my guess is you would have to dress to the nines for a conference in New York versus one in Texas or here in New Mexico, where attorneys dress more business casual. It tends to be more formal on the East Coast quite informal on the West Coast. Yes. Um, I had a friend with me once who was helping me in my booth from Colorado, and she was commenting on the clothing some of the attorneys were wearing. We were in, we're in Chicago. And she said, you know, Pat, some of the people in the Salvation Army have better clothes on than yeah. some of these attorneys. They were dressing down. And yet I have observed, Angel, that the senior partners, the power attorneys in the state, they are wearing impeccably tailored suits. Mm -hmm. They look completely, perfectly groomed at all times. They're not dressed like slobs. Right. I've seen it all with attorneys. I've, I've seen attorneys in suits. I've seen attorneys in flip-flops and shorts. So it does depend on the attorney. Flip-flops and shorts. Wow. <laughs> I think I've seen that more in the winter conferences that are held in Florida, for example. Yes. People <laughs> tend to feel like they're on vacation. Right. 
One of the things that goes into a successful booth is where your table is placed. What has been your experience? If you have an opportunity to pick a spot, what kinds of things do you consider? I consider traffic patterns. So usually once you've registered, I do recommend registering as early as possible so that you can get first dibs if they allow you to. But you need to get the, you usually will get a map that has the exhibit number and booth locations and where the main conference room is. So you want to think about where that main conference room is and locate yourself to where every time they come out of that room, they see your booth, your banner, and they have to pass you to go to the bathroom every time and or the coffee and snacks. I've had attorneys, you can usually tell, I exhibited at some state bar conferences that have all types of attorneys. So you can tell what type of attorney will need you because they'll pass by your banner and then come back, look at it. And then you might get discouraged to think, well, they saw me, they're not gonna talk to me. But by the third day, they've passed you so many times, they come back and say, I just now have had time to talk to you. I've been meaning to talk to you. So you need to be in that main traffic pattern where they constantly have to pass you through the whole conference and you're at the top of their mind. You remind me of an attorney who came to my booth. Somebody had told me you should never consider it to be over until your boxes are packed and you're on your way out because yeah. sometimes attorneys will stop mm -hmm. while you're packing up your booth and they've been meaning to talk to you. And yes. I remember one time that I was under the table pulling out the boxes with my ass sticking up in the air. And that's when the attorney came by who's... I'd like to talk to you about what you do. I think I've got a case for you. And I thought mm -hmm. I couldn't have been in a more unflattering position. <laughs> but I stood up and, you know, put on my dignified air and listened to his story and got his information. Yes. Um, it was an amazing experience. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got, the, we've got the perfect spot where but the booth is always manned. It's never left unattended. You're taking turns when it comes for breaks, for snacks, for meals. You eat right. before the attorneys come out. And they come up to the booth and they say, uh, so Angel, what do you guys do? How do you respond to that initial inquiry? The first couple of conferences I did, I would just rattle off everything an LNC can do. I can do this and this and this. But attorneys, even at a conference, they want the Cliff's Notes version. They don't want you to just go on and on. So I whittled it down to, I'm a legal nurse consultant. I do medical record reviews and summary reports. And then I asked them, have you ever used a legal nurse consultant before? If they have, they will immediately recognize what you're talking about and grab your information. If they haven't, then I will expand on, Oh, I can also do DME observation, expert witness location, et cetera. If they're even semi-interested, I will give them not just my business card, but my portfolio that has my resume and sample work product in it. And I will also offer my fee schedule. I know some LNCs don't advise that, but I found it helpful because when I show it to them, they will always look at it in front of you. And they are usually very surprised at how affordable you are. And then they say, I have a case for you. I'll be calling you. Mm -hmm. All right. When they say I have a case, I'll be calling you. What next? 
What do you do next? <laughs> well, you should do some follow-up. And I recommend immediate follow-up, no more than one to two days after the conference. I prefer to do a follow-up email initially, and I will email them, remind them that I met them at the conference, give them my information again. If I don't hear from them within a week, then I will call them, follow up with a call, ask if, I, if they have any questions about what I sent them. And if I still get crickets from that, no to me does not mean never, unless they actually tell me, never call me again. Mm -hmm. So then I will do follow up again every three to six months. But you have to be patient because it really is all about timing because you could contact them today, hear nothing because they don't have a case for you. And then I've had attorneys three months later contact me out of the blue and say, I have a case for you and I need you right now. So it is about patience and timing. It certainly is. And some attorneys are great filers. They'll file, file away your information. And then a year later, in that special drawer, they'll reach in and say, oh, yeah, with that angel person, uh, that person from Guardian Angel Consulting. I met her at the New Mexico Trial Lawyers Association. She's one of those nurses who work with attorneys. I think I'll give her a call. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's why you want a memorable name and logo as well. Well, uh, I think Guardian Angel is certainly memorable. And it's the perfect <laughs> title for an LNC business. <laughs> well, it's, it's a two-way thing. My husband said we had to use my name in our business name, and then nurses are often associated with angels. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's perfect. But that does bring up a point that when you are a new LNC and you are looking to identify your company name, you cannot use Guardian Angel. You can't use a name that somebody else has trademarked or somebody else is using to avoid confusion in the marketplace. And that can be sometimes challenging when you're looking for a URL for a website to come up That's with something true. that is unique. Yes, I know that you've mentioned follow-up. Have you ever been in a situation where you have gotten the names of the attendees at the conference where you've been exhibiting and an offer to follow up with those attendees? Yes, I have. And I go through those as well. Um, I used to do the mail call, mail call. And to be honest with you, post-COVID, that doesn't work as well because not everyone is in their office anymore. So I... I typically will try and call them instead of sending something in the mail because mm -hmm. they can get lost in the mail or the, the uh, front desk can just pitch it. <clears throat> yes, they can. Which then also brings up the question of bringing materials with you. When I first started ex exhibiting, I thought, well, if there's a hundred attorneys there, then I need a hundred flyers. And then I came back with 80 flyers at the end of the day. How do you judge how much material to take with you? That's a good question. I am. I usually try and bring as far as portfolios. To me, those are the most important. The portfolios, I, excuse me, I try and bring at least 25. It's better to be overprepared. Mm -hmm. But per day, I will only bring, if it's a two to three day conference, I will only bring five to 10 per day. 
Yeah. And have you ever had an attorney come up and say, oh, no, I don't want to carry anything around with me. Just tell me what you do. I'll just take a business card. I have not because they usually have their tote bags from the conference. So they'll take anything usually. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there was a time when attorneys got their handouts and bound books and then they got them in CDs and then they got them in pen drives and then they got an email link so that they could download and print them. It seems like the conference exhibitors over the years went more digital or going more digital to save on costs. Yes. Which then I found that it was very useful to give out lined eight and a half by 11 pads because when an attorney is handled a pen drive, he or she has nothing to use for taking notes. And they often want to sit there and listen and write notes as a speaker is presenting. Yes, I have uh, notepads as well that I give away. What else do you give away? Um, the notepads, pens, and then, like I said, my door prize, obviously business cards, mm -hmm. brochures. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have too much on your table because if it looks too crowded, it just looks messy. Yes, and there are the scoopers. Have you met the scoopers? Yes. That little yeah. pile of markers that Angel is giving away. Well, let's just show overnight to the bag. Yes. So every night at a conference, even though they claim they might have security watching the exhibit booths, I highly recommend you clear your table every night, take everything with you, and especially your business cards that you collected that day. Take everything with you for the evening and bring it back. That is an excellent piece of advice, Angel. I have seen exhibitors walk away from bowls of business cards that they have spent all day collecting and they have left them sitting on a table overnight. Mm -mm. You and want to protect those like gold. <laughs> yes, that's where you get all the follow-up. Yes. Uh, and you write down notes on the back of the card. Yes. That attorney handles personal injury cases, has a case called um, Henderson Smith and needs help with the Henderson Smith case and wants you to call them on Monday morning. Yes, I always take notes on the back. My funniest experience, Angel, of leaving something on a table overnight was exhibiting in the New York State Catskills in a resort. And I had a big stuffed bear who was wearing a patient gown and had a little IV board that was held in place with an ace bandage and a 500cc bag of D5W <laughs> from the top. And the sign said, does this patient need a nurse? And I thought it was just as cute as could be. And many of the women agreed with me and the kids thought it was cute. And the men who went by went, oh, okay. <laughs> and I left that bear set up overnight and somebody played with a roller clamp. And the next morning there was 500 cc's of D5W in the bear's arm oh, no. onto the table. And I thought, you know, maybe that wasn't the best of ideas. <laughs> so that that was the terminal exhibiting experience for my teddy bear. That's a good idea, though. Yeah, yeah, you could probably do it pretty well without the IV bag. I, I sure. also had the bear was wearing a diaper as well, <laughs> and there was a little medical record. It was like a binder that was attached to the wall that was purported to be the bear's medical records. Uh, 
I think I would still do that today without the IV bag. I think that would capture people's attention because you would look across the room and you'd see, oh, they've got a stuffed bear at their booth. I wonder what that's all about. Oh, and Teddy also had a soft cervical, cervical collar <laughs> as well. So it was fun to play with. You may use that. Anyone who's hearing this can use that idea for your booth. That's true. That's when I, uh, the last conference I did here in New Mexico, I had a model of the spine and it was color coded for the, you know, the cervical, lumbar, thoracic, et cetera. That drew a lot of attention. Mm. And it okay. spoke medical from a distance. So they knew what I yes. was when they saw it. Yep. Yep. And attorneys love those. Yes. Spine exhibits. Yes, they do. Well, in closing, Angel, if you had one piece of advice to give to somebody about what to do to make it a smooth exhibiting experience, what would you recommend? Uh, like I said, preparation is key and looking the most professional you can. It really is worth the time and money to make your booth look consistent. So you need to have your logo on all your banners and on your business cards, everything you have, your pens, et cetera. And all the same color, everything matching, whatever your business colors are. My business colors are black and white. So everything is black and white. And it just speaks professionalism. Then most attorneys I find do not ask you how many years experience you have in legal nurse consulting. All they really care about is you're a nurse with experience. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. So the more professional you look with your booth and your attire, the better off you'll be and the more attention you'll get. I know that our listener is going to want to connect with you, Angel, perhaps to ask a question, perhaps to work with you on a case. What would be the best way for that contact to take place? They can email me at guardianangelconsulting at outlook.com, or they can call me at area code 505-235-7299. All right. Thank you, Angel. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing your experiences. I've been talking with Angel Hickerson. This is Pat Iyer, and we love it when you leave comments on our YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs down, thumbs up. What did you find to be most helpful in listening to our podcast today? And be sure to click on down to the next show in Legal Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much. Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast. I'm Pat Iyer. The next speaker you will be meeting is Stormy Green, who's been a legal nurse consultant since 2013 and specializes in the training and provision of legal nurse consultants nationwide to attend what we call an IME or a DME. Can you describe for our viewer, Stormy, what are some of the topics that we covered during your podcast? Well, some of the topics we covered are what is a DME or IME? Uh, what is the role, its role in the litigation process in this country, in the United States? We talked about what the nurse is looking for and watching for during a DME. Um, and what the nurse should do if she's not familiar with a test that she sees an examiner performing. Um, also, we talked about some tips in structuring a DME report. Now, we covered a lot of territory in this show, and 
Stormy and I both agreed afterwards when we finished the recording that she could talk for hours on this subject. She's a knowledgeable LNC who's made this a critical part of her business. Whether you've been completely out in the dark regarding IMEs and DMEs and have never attended one, or you've attended several, I know that you're going to get tips from this podcast. Be sure to watch for Stormy Green's podcast, and I'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kat. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for legal nurse consultants on LegalNurseBusiness.com. Pat coaches legal nurse consultants so they make more money, get more clients, and avoid expensive mistakes. Check out her coaching program at LNCAcademy.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Join our community to get notified of each new episode and to receive the transcript of today's program. Complete the request form on podcast.legalnursebusiness.com. We appreciate you and your interest.